Hey guys, it's uh, Andy here in another episode of the Mountain Malarkey Podcast with Dave. Hello everybody. How are we doing, Dave? Yeah, not bad, not bad. Got something a little different today. Very different, yeah. So what we've done is we realised that uh, when we do the Tuesday tune-in over on Facebook, um, which we've been doing during lockdown, we had some comments and requests around, um, you know, not everyone's on Facebook, but people still wanted to hear about the content. There's been some great stuff. We've talked about bags. We've talked about Battle of the Treks. We've talked about trekking boots, mindset, fitness, loads of stuff. And we thought to ourselves, well, why don't we turn these into podcasts? Because... Like you said, Dave, they're, they're sitting down listening for an hour. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, and uh, we've got a couple of we had a couple of special guests, didn't we? We had a new head of operations over in Nepal. Yeah, uh, Lee Wardle, Ironman triathlete, um, gym owner, and all around nice guy. Um, yeah, and there's there's so much good information and good content there that, and not everybody is on Facebook or yeah can sit there and watch a video for an hour and a bit doing nothing. So yeah, this is a great format. You can do it on the go, put it in your car, listen to it. It's a bit interactive, so you're going to have seen us answer questions and stuff like that. Yeah, it's a little bit different. Um, you know, but if you're listening to this, obviously, yeah. um, and you have any questions about any of the things you hear, uh, podcast at evertrack.co.uk. Awesome, Dave. Yeah, enjoy the episode, and uh, we'll catch up with you soon. Yeah, all the best. Lovely. Yeah, hey, everyone. It's uh, Andy here, Dave and Ali. Um, another Tuesday tune-in. Um, yeah, you might be thinking, okay, who's this blonde-haired lady on the uh, <laughs> on the call with us? Um, but yeah, this is Ali. She recently joined us, uh, joined the team. And Ali, say hello. Hi. <laughs> we, As um, you can tell, she's from Sunderland. <laughs> <laughs> I am American. Yes. <laughs> Great stuff. Now, um, now Ali's um, joined the team and she's got a lot of experience. Um, she's going to be a fantastic part of the community. Um, so yeah, today we're going to start off um, doing a little bit of a QA. and don't know if you were watching when we brought in fee um do a little bit of a q a and then we'll also um then discuss uh, the topic which we're talking about treadmill versus outdoor hiking um which is something we were discussing recently and you know about sort of mainly indoor stuff versus outdoor stuff and and we thought why not we'll do a little bit of a um a live about it instead yeah yeah um Right, Dave, I know that the Lauren's compiled some questions, right? Uh, she has, yeah. So Lauren sent me the questions, and um, I'm going to ask. Uh, these are like quick-fire ones. Uh, you don't these get too long to deliberate. Um, oh, so, gosh. I don't even know what you're going to say. Uh, I have no I, idea. No, well, I, I won't, I'm, let's find out together, because I haven't <laughs> read them yet. Um, okay, hot or cold weather? Oh, hot. Okay. Ooh. Least favorite smell? uh mayonnaise favorite smell um essential oils <laughs> right wow uh, what's the funniest british word that you've learned um is it a swear word <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> yeah okay it's okay um, we're, we're... <laughs> it's b what b-u-g-g Oh, bugger. And then it sounds like uh, but when I say it, it's er. Okay, then bugger off. <laughs> bugger. That's because oh, yeah, I can't. Okay. Very good. Um, <laughs> okay, uh, what's the weirdest thing you've ever eaten? Um. Oh, I don't eat that many weird things. I ate alligator. Okay, really? nice. nice. Yeah. Uh, USA or UK? Uh, 
<laughs> it's in my blood. You you yeah. Singing or dancing? Singing. Okay. Uh, what's the best dish to cook to? The best what? what what's the sorry? What's the best dish to cook? These um, are some weird questions. Takeout. Okay, takeout. Mm -hmm. Nice, like that answer. Uh, what's the most useless talent that you have? What's your party um, trick? I can like go like that and bend over to the floor, like just all the way. Wow. Yeah. What's that called? Is that called the crab or the bridge? Uh, it sounds yeah. more like a bridge than a crab, I think. Yeah. I think the crab is when you're like waddling okay. along. Uh, describe yourself as a teenager in three words. Um, confused. <laughs> Um, didn't know how to wear makeup. Not sure how you would say that. Um, emo. Emo. Yeah. <laughs> wow, you and Fee, man. Yeah, very close. Screamo, really, oh. but emo. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Uh, cats or dogs? Dogs. Beer or wine? Both, but mostly beer. Yeah. Coffee or tea? Coffee, coffee, coffee. Uh, what's the best thing about living in Wales? Um, the everybody's accents, uh, especially a valley's accent. I love hearing a valley's accent. It's so fun. It's like they're singing a song. Oh, <laughs> all right, then, Ali, let's go to the next one, shall we? <laughs> so, um, uh, what's your favorite breakfast? Uh, bacon and eggs and kale. Okay, if you had one, power, what would it be? I love kale. Invisibility. Nice, nice. Mountains or sea? I'll stop doing the Welsh accent now because I'll offend my fellow countrymen. <laughs> <laughs> Mountains or sea? Well, I'm from both, so both. Ha. Okay, yeah, okay. Um, uh, okay, this is weird. I wonder if these are just straight from Lauren's mind. What would Probably. you name your boat if you had one? A boat? Yeah. <sighs> That's a weird one, man. Yeah. I don't know because what came to mind was Bodie McBoatface because of all of that. <laughs> Yeah, that's I have no oh, idea. It'd be that. like the oh, it would be like the SS or something dumb that was like hard to say. I don't okay, know. the SS something dumb. That's what we've gone with. <laughs> uh, what's your favorite season? Um, summer, summer, uh, summer, what, summer. What destination do you hope to do your first trek with Evertrek? Well, you've sold me on EBC, so I EBC? think that's what I'll do. Yeah. EBC's. And what has your first week been like with Evertrek? Terrible. Yeah. Just kidding. It's been great. It's been really good. It's been funny. And um, it's weird doing the whole remote thing, but uh, yeah. it's been really good. Okay. Yeah. So that's it. And she had to say that contractually. Um. <laughs> uh, it's all good. It, it has been a very challenge. Typical with the local lockdowns. Dave's still in prison. I mean, you know. Yeah, I'm in prison still. Yeah. Poor thing. <laughs> I like what you've done there, Dave, as well. <laughs> what do you mean? <laughs> very good very good uh, yeah uh, basically last um yeah, last week dave was um unfortunately because he's had to work from home but it does look like you're in prison yeah uh, yeah it's, it's been commented a few time. times that i look like i've been I like in prison thing. um so yeah i'm rolling with it rolling with it <laughs> and um, look everyone that's joined i know there's a few questions already dropped in but yeah good to see um some of the regulars some new people as well um we've also got a bunch of questions that come in on the email so we'll, we'll we'll tackle those um but yeah where should we start dave uh, with regards to the so treadmill versus yeah i suppose the, the question that comes up a lot is you know <laughs> is, is ali ali's off, off? <laughs> is ali up? if you're from the netherlands 
She's all, are we left with, from, like, are we left a very with flat part in the UK? Can I train <laughs> adequately enough to go on an expedition? So can I train adequately to go to EBC, to climb yeah. Killy? Um, oh, she has gone. Um, uh, you know, if I'm doing indoor training and working on a treadmill. And yeah. it's an interesting uh, you know, question because it puts yeah. people in, it, well, it can seemingly put people in a little bit of an awkward position because if they don't have any mountains locally to them that they can go and climb, yeah. there's that seed of doubt that can progress, you know, have I trained enough? Am I mountain fit? Am I able to go and climb a mountain and things like that? So, um, yeah, I think we wanted to discuss a little bit today about, you know, if you are doing a lot of your training on the treadmill, um, you know, does it does it make any uh, difference or anything like that? Yeah, nice. No, I think yeah, it's 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 a lot of um, it. Try to get my words out now. Yeah. Uh, it's a question that comes up a lot, isn't it? I mean, people are saying, look, especially during the last six months when you know we haven't been able really to go that far. Um, especially now, if there's certain parts of the UK, I know South Wales is pretty much in in lockdown right now, a local lockdown. Yeah. Um, it is a a challenge. I, I know we had um, Lee Wardle on right at the beginning of all this where we talked about, um, you know, the things we can do indoors. But it did crop up as, like, with regards to how your body reacts to training indoors, training outdoors. Yeah. We were like, there's, there's no harm in, in doing the indoor stuff, you know, going to the gym, doing the treadmill side of things. You know, even if you've got the, the was it the, the Stairmaster Day, which I know that you really like doing because it strengthens your legs. Yeah, it's a really good simulation mm -hmm. of, because, you know, when we track, the, the the destinations that we go they always seem to be the same thing which is like you're just it, it seems like you're on a stairmaster because we do a lot of climbing particularly yeah. in Nepal the landscape yeah. is naturally very stepped and that takes you right up to the glacier and then from Gorakshep to EBC you're over the glacier which is you know rough and you know stepped in itself so I found that doing the stairmaster yeah. like really like gets the legs like good and strong and just builds resilience um but what we always talk about and what we've mentioned a few times is being, you know, mountain fit, ready for the trip. Yeah. Um, one thing I've always said is that I don't believe that there's any real substitute for getting out there and walking up hills. But what I do want to clarify, that doesn't necessarily mean that you have to go to Snowden every weekend. or Exactly. Yeah, yeah. The, yeah, if you've seen the pictures of Snowden, my God, you wouldn't want to go there at the moment. Have you seen those guys? Like, yeah, the, I've seen that, man. The summit of Snowden last weekend are insane. I cannot, I've never seen anything like it. Um, but you know, the yeah. thing is with that, Dave. Yeah, just what we're talking about that because yeah, I saw that on the, on the weekend, and I I, I kind of come through it from two ways. Like, yeah, I don't like seeing the queues on Snowden, but you know, it is you know it is the way it is that is popular. But also, I we have to remember what, and I think um I, I forgot the gentleman who said this. It was on Twitter. I think his name was Grant something or other, and he mentioned that um you know going up Snowden for him was like quite a big big thing, and it is it's. You know, because everyone's Everest is different, but it changed his life. Um, and I kind of like to think that all those people that are going up there, it's similar thing. Even though it's uh, it's, it's busy and it's popular, a lot of yeah. those people that are going up Snowden, a lot of those people that are up Penavan, and same with Ben Nevis, you know, the, the, the popular mountains. Although they're busy, it's what it's doing for those particular people. I'm not saying, you know, you should go up there and, and queue up, but it's actually, it could potentially um, change those lives individually. Yeah. Um, and that's what I like about it. Uh, that is so many people now who are looking to the mountains, who are looking to get out there and it could potentially change their lives with, OK, I've done Snowden. What's next? I know a yeah. lot of the people who are on here. Um, I know you've, you've you've all had a certain journey that you've started hiking, you know, some maybe smaller mountains in the UK. And I know I, I know there was a lot of people on here have already been with us.
Yeah. Um, uh, Sinead and, and, and Max, I know you've been to Everest Base Camp with us, and it can potentially sort of open your mind to, to what's next. Um, so, yeah, I, I, I don't know. I, I was just, that was on my mind um, over the last couple of days because I've seen those queues a lot, especially once the lockdown was like, right, well, you can go, you're off. The, the mountains are as, as popular as ever, but, you know, there's there's a lot of places you can go in the UK, not just... Yeah, exactly. You know. And the other thing is as well, like my, um, my father, when he went to base camp, did pretty much all of his training in like yeah. urban areas, you know? So, and and we live pretty close to, you know, Penavan, the Brecon Beacons, you know, so we can yeah. go there anytime we want. <laughs> but actually it's, it's about hill walking is the key word there, hill walking. It's not yeah. like, um, so if you are in a position where you feel like your only option is the treadmill, um, you know, there's always a way around it. You don't ha you can train for it, yeah. you know, EBC or Killy in the urban environment. You know, I've seen people go into like, you know, like a, a load of steps, which they pretty much have in every city with a weighted pack on. And then yeah. doing squat lunges up and down the steps and going up and down <laughs> and stuff like that. Um, you know, so what I would say, you know, if yeah. you are thinking about using a treadmill and stuff like that, is it, 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 it can be a great way to build cardiovascular fitness. Yeah. But in my opinion and in my experience, it doesn't do much for strengthening the legs and building that endurance in. Um, and in order to get mountain fit, I think the best way to do that is to be able to walk up hills, do squats, yeah. do strengthening, stuff like that, which ideally, you know, you can go and do it in the mountains because it's a fantastic place to be. But, you know, it's, you, you can get that sort of training in, like, you know, on the streets, in the urban areas, stuff like that as well. Well, um, Mick, Mick makes it. Hey, Mick, uh, good to see you on here, mate. Um, I hope you're well. Uh, he makes a good point that if you do live, you know, uh, maybe next to the beach or, you know, on some flat areas, you can just chuck some weights yeah. in the backpack, um, you know, and, and obviously, yeah, Mick, you're going to hydrate afterwards, mate. Uh, <laughs> um, but, yeah, it's it, you can certainly build up your strength that way, um, which I think is a very good point. Yeah, uh, I see. Um, anywhere, even on your own stairs, if you can't get out at the moment. But it's yeah. but you know, has actually um, yeah. raised a good question there, which is about her climb to Killy. If I remember right, I think Marie, I see her a lot on like Penavan and stuff like that. Um, but she's asked, um, you know, she is a little bit concerned about the endurance um, yeah. for her Killy climb next year and what walking multiple days in a row is going to feel like compared to, you know, what it's like just doing like a day's training here, a day's training there and yeah. stuff like that. Um, and what I usually, the best analogy that I can kind of find is, you know, by doing that day's training here, that day's training there, as long yeah. as you're doing it consistently, sort of most weeks, that is training for multiple days in a row, yeah. you know, because it's it's not going to be forever. It's an, uh, an eight day climb. Um, and some of those days are, you know, not that hard. Summit day, you just, you know, summit day is like, you know, when people train for a marathon, they say, I'll train for 20 miles and I'll find the extra six on the day, yeah. <laughs> you know? So that's what it is. Like for summit day, you know, you can train and you can just do that training on a fairly regular basis. Ideally, you can do one, two, three days in a row if you have a week off or something like that. Yeah. Um, but, you know, most of the training I do is not on consecutive days. You know, when I'm doing a trip and something like that, you know, I'll mix it up. I'll do some walking. Then, you know, a day later, I might do some cycling. Then I might have two days off and then I might do some strength work. Um, and all of that combined means that you are capable of going every day, you know, and doing, doing an eight day multiple trek and stuff like that. So. Yeah, no, that's well put, Dave. I think, yeah, it's it's one of those, isn't it? Because especially if you if you uh, if people work sort of Monday to Friday and you've got the weekend, but you've got commitments, family you know, all these things, it's hard to do multiple days sometimes. Um, but yeah, if you can just get out, pack on your back, do some mileage, um, you know, it's, it's 
we definitely prefer the outdoors um, yeah you know anywhere if you can you know maybe try and fit in uh, you know i know a few people on here i think laura uh, laura collins mentioned you got a few, uh, you know three years to your trip yeah. i know you're booking far ahead that a lot of people do now especially with um good old covid um happening it's you know it gives you time to maybe put some weekends we can go away and plan some some trips in the uk um you know it's something we we've been thinking of ourselves you know because we at the moment we're like gagging to get out and um you know especially in some of the mountains we can't at the moment with south wales but yeah. when we can we'll, we'll certainly be uh, be back out in the mountains um but yeah like loads of questions dave i know we we've started off um uh, started off about this but i'll go through the questions because there's quite a number now we got here um i think matthew wood uh, mentioned about so completed the altitude center six minute summit challenge i yep. saw that that looked um are these the email looked, questions as well no no this is off the live uh, oh okay i, Matt I missed messaged it earlier uh, i'll bring matt's question up um he mentioned about you started at 2700 meters it was in their um hypoxic chamber isn't it so they do they do increase you and you, um, I know I read your whole question. It's quite long, but is that an indication of what it might be like, Killy, for twenty twenty one? Yeah, it's it's one of those things. With I mean, the, the altitude centre are great. We, we obviously uh, collaborate with them with regards to the training. Um, with regards to the, how it feels, it's very difficult to mimic. Yeah. Um, the way that you'll feel actually on Kilimanjaro, um, you know, it is it is slightly different. Your body will react for a short period of time because you you know you're only there for I, I don't know if you were there for an hour or so. Um, I, we know some other trackers who have been there and they've um, you know done like half hour, forty five minutes in a say three thousand three hundred meters. You can certainly get out of breath more, but I, I I personally don't think it mimics altitude as such, not to the levels that you you can get on a real trip. Um, that's why we always encourage people to get out and get fit because the altitude you you'll 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 work that out when you're there. Um, yeah, you know, because you listen to your guide, you take it slow, you enjoy yourself. It's not like you go there and then next thing you know, you're like, <gasps> you're struggling to breathe. You'd be able to breathe the same. You'd just be breathing more often. Yeah. And, you know, with yeah. regards to, you know, sort of going up, you know, 8K on your back, 8% incline, 66 yeah. meters in six minutes, that seems like that's really, that's like a really good pace. You that's know, you like, like just so you know, like on Killy, you wouldn't get any, on particularly on summit day, you're not looking at anything like 66. Um, you know meters in six minutes you know so that's you know what you're doing is really good because it's going to train yeah. you and it's going to get your body used to sort of you know working hard under load at altitude but when you're actually on the mountain and you've been exposed to that altitude for you know seven days up to that point you walk very slowly and we use slowness as a key as a yeah. tool to acclimatize so one thing i would say like you know is like train your body get it as strong as possible and then when you're on the mountain follow the mountain rules which are we walk very slowly we gain our altitude gradually we drink lots and we eat lots um and we try and sleep lots we did one on sleep didn't we? <laughs> you know but yeah so you go you go really really slow um yeah. yeah so Matthew said yeah he was literally dying yeah that would I was would think in your 66 meters in six minutes is pretty special so fair play mate you probably got a good engine in there um, <laughs> yeah, <be> <laughs> but yeah when you're on Killy take it easy even when you're going up Killy, there are steep points um, where, you know, you, you'll be like breathing hard and stuff like that. But what we always try and say is we want to aim to be at a pace where we could talk, you know. So yeah. even if me and Andy are going up a real steep section, I should be able to look at him and go, this is hard. What do you reckon? And, and you know, and have a <laughs> yeah. 
you know, so that's sort of the level you want to be aiming for. But mate, well done on that, mate. That's a that's yeah, epic. I saw that challenge. I I don't know who who kind of won. I know I know some of the guys at the altitude center clearly have a bit more practice and super fit. But um, yeah, you, you you'll be fine, yeah. Kelly, if you're doing yeah. it. I reckon I would have done six meters in sixty six minutes. I think would have been. Okay, right. We're going to move on to the next question. I'm just I got one from Danny Mitchell here, um, and it was about trekking poles. I know we talked a bit about poles before, uh, but what makes should you look at? Um, do you need to buy a pair or can you just use one? Yeah, there's um, there's a few makes. You've got Black Diamond, Leck, uh, sorry, Lecky. Um, you've got some of the the other makes. Um, you've got OEX. They're quite depends if you where you're shopping, but I know somewhere like Go Outdoors, you got OEX. Um, with trekking poles, don't feel like you have to spend a lot of money on them. There's 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 some that you can buy for twenty pounds for a pair. There's some over a hundred pounds. There's a real big difference um but the quality isn't really that different i've used ones that i've bought in Kathmandu in a local store for like five pounds and they lasted me five years yeah. um, and that was two so you can get them locally you know if you're just talking about if you go into uh, nepal um you can also get them locally in tanzania but yeah dave you, you've you, you're a bit of a convert, aren't you? You never used to use them, then you use one, and now you've used two a lot. Yeah, so I never use one. Um, I think two is better than one overall in my experience now. But I, I definitely think that, you know, although, you know, I talk a lot about, like, you know, I buy a lot of this gear, I'm definitely not a gear snob, you know? Yeah. And I think that good is good enough, as we always say. And I think that you don't have to go out and spend £130 on a pair of poles. Um, exactly. You know, yeah. like, you, you can go to go outdoors and buy, you know, a pair that does just as good get used to them, see if you like them. And if you use them a lot, then you can perhaps upgrade, you know, because to like these carbon poles, because they last a lot longer and stuff like that. Um, but, you know, yeah, I think the poles are, are actually really good now. And I bring them on every trip that I do. Yeah. Um, because my main issue was going downhill. I've had to change a couple of things, but introducing poles was, was a big one. <laughs> so for like long, prolonged, steep hills, have the poles, have them slightly longer than usual, pull them out in front of you, and it just takes a load off the knees. Yeah, um, yeah. I mean, poles is one of those things, is it, it comes up quite a lot, and my advice is always the same. Buy a cheap pair, trial them out, don't abandon them after your first trip because it takes some getting used to. Yeah. So, you know, use them five, six, seven times, and then uh, after that, if you've tried them for like two, three months, and you've done loads of walks, and you still can't stand them, throw them to the side. If you realize actually my knees are less sore after a walk. I'm not as stiff. I got more energy when I'm at the top of the hill. Then keep them because they're clearly going to work. Yeah, um, exactly. I think that was um, James said about cycling, which is uh, always perks my ears. <laughs> I, I can see you. It's, it's those trigger words, isn't it? Cycling. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. No, I I love cycling. So he he cycles five yeah. days a week. No other fitness work for high altitude climbing and trekking. Um, yeah. I'm a I'm a huge believer in cycling for training. To be honest with you, I think that it's yeah. the one thing I would try and do because I I I, I need to cycle more. But when I was cycling a lot, and I did the same to you, I did Newport to Cardiff, Cardiff to Newport, which was thirty yeah, miles a day. And what it did do though was shorten my hamstrings. Um, you know, so I became like really inflexible. So I start now when I'm doing cycling, like trying to do some stretching and stuff like that, because you can easily pull one when you're walking. Um, and if a hamstring goes in, it is, it's, it's quite hard. Oh, to okay. yeah. I, mean, I know it happened to you and when we did Glencoe, right? Glencoe Challenge. Yeah, I know my, my hamstring went probably around 
10 hours in i think we had a couple of hours left so the last last couple of hours was hard work. Well, eight hours we did it in 10 and a half mate come on give us credit was it 10 and a half yeah something like that hours we did it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah i know like the last two hours yeah were pretty bad for you so that can, that can happen um so yeah just um but in terms of your fitness i think cycling is great especially if you've got some hills because cycling up a steep hill feels remarkably like hiking at altitude because you're moving quite slowly uphill yeah. but your heart and lungs are just going crazy so yeah i think um you know cardiovascular fitness stuff that's fine just combine it with some stretching and stuff like that i mean J james you know you, you've done island peak i was gonna say um, <laughs> you know? he knows what he's doing but i think to add to that as well is is never just do one thing and yeah although the cycling is great you're not if you know if you're not cycling to these places you are hiking so get out there and do some hiking as well just to, yeah. just to have that balance i think instead of like it like if it was me just my my, my gut saying even though the cycling is great for me from a cardiovascular point of view, you're going to be walking, you're going to be climbing. So do some of that as well um, yeah. as that. I mean, that's why I always think find a little balance. Um, but but like like Dave said there, James, you, you know, no, um, you know your body better than most people. And if it works for you and then you, you, you're having success with it, then, then awesome, you know? Yeah, no, it's a really good point, though. Like, I mean, I, I've said, I think we've both said it a few times that we're big believers. If you're going walking, you should train yeah. by walking if you're going cycling train by cycling so you need to get the body mountain fit and used to doing what it's going to be doing for eight days but um exactly yeah. i think that ultimately if what you're doing makes you fitter and stronger it's not going to have a negative effect yeah exactly uh, um, was, um a question i had because i'm just going through some of the emails because we had a nice few emails yesterday just around um uh, around the, the live people who can't make it and it's yeah. great you know, we, we've started to get loads over the last few weeks so i really appreciate that people catching this up on the the replay um but i'll start off and we'll just go down i know steve edwards um you mentioned uh, i know you don't have a crystal ball about the future what are the plans to accommodate missed trips uh from 2020 and the ones in 2021 so yes yeah, steve um it's yeah it's been a been a crazy sort of six seven months now and although we thought by the autumn that um this wonderful covid would have disappeared it, it hasn't done and and i think we're all sort of um you know getting used to to living with that at the moment I say getting used to, you know, um, just having to get used to it. But yeah, we, we with regards to the way we've accommodated, um, you know, anyone that's been booked in the autumn, for example, I mean, the spring was when it first hit and a lot of people have been really accommodating and have moved their trips. Um, you know, we offer free rescheduling. So um, we know it's big. And, and ultimately for us, we, we don't do your, we don't organize your international flights. So it's made it a little bit easier to move trips. So we're really, we're trying to be as ultimate flexible as we can um in regards to moving dates uh, some people have even moved trips if they wanted i know they've done that um but we understand that this thing is unprecedented so we're, we're trying to work with you um in terms of doing that so yeah if you want to move your trip we can do um and there's no um cost to that um we've also you know we, we realize some people have you know things have happened in their life and they want to push it a couple of years down the line um look i you know this who knows when this um, COVID is going to go away, but we're certainly here, um, you know, going forward and we're not going anywhere. That's why we started doing these lives so we can start chatting about things and doing these Q&As because there's a lot of questions that need answering. And one of those, yeah. Steve, is, is about, yeah, when am I going to go on a trip? Um, so, yeah, we're, we're here. And, yeah, anything that you need, just just give us a, give us a shout. Yeah. So we have um, an interesting one as well, which I'm actually quite interested in because I'm not 100% certain myself um which was from stuart Bues. yeah uh, and he said he's looking to get a, a good insulated jacket uh to do killy in 2022 
um, and hopefully EBC in 23. Are there any recommendations for the best synthetic Dane jacket as normal Dane triggers his asthma? Um, really? Okay. And I'm quite interested because, to be honest with you, Stuart, I am not an expert on like the best sort of strictly synthetic. I know Patagonia. I think yeah. they're pretty much fully synthetic now um because they've gone down the ethical um all of yeah, this massive on sustainability are they sustainability yeah so <laughs> i'm pretty certain that that's gonna they they might do so i would try patagonia see if they've got some um i think most of the top brands do do them i know rab i'm pretty sure had a um insulated uh synthetic jacket as well but i'm not 100 percent certain i think fine? a lot of companies have, have have kind of brought it in they realize that there's um you know especially that they're following what patagonia have done really um, and yeah, if any of you watching on the live that know of a type of jacket like this that can help Stuart do post, because I know that, you know, although we we use these jackets and we have a lot of experience over the last sort of five, six years regarding these jackets, there's a lot of new ones that come on the market that we might not know of. So yeah, if any of you have got any recommendations for yeah, Where's Diane when we need her? Diane. <laughs> I, know. I was going to say, I haven't seen her name drop in yet, but um, yeah, uh, it's, it's certainly, she's yeah. been a mind of information when it comes to sort of, and here she is, I knew she'd drop in. Diane is our um is our like a resident sort of expert when it comes to like all the vegan yeah. trekking equipment and actually has been like a really good fan of knowledge for that type of thing yeah, fantastic. because um like you said I, I don't buy a down jacket you know every month so <laughs> yeah. um so that you know I, i'm not 100 percent certain on you know what's changed but actually yeah be interested the columbia yeah good make as well um so yeah to know what one you choose actually there Stuart. so yeah um keep us informed drop us an email next week and let us know if you actually make uh make a call <laughs> diane was late how are you late diane yeah. I'm tired. <laughs> no uh, no worries great to see you on here it's great to see some new people as well i saw david clift i think he's just booked on as well david great to see you on welcome to, to the community and uh, any questions do fire them away i know a lot of regulars on here as well who sort of join in every week um, but it's always great to see some um, sort of new viewers as well. Um, we'll just crack on with the email ones. Glenn um, wanted to ask some questions about the logistics over in Nepal, uh, Everest Base Camp. Um, basically about traveling out with a rucksack and a suitcase. And can you confirm that we leave the suitcase at the hotel with some clothes and return for afterwards? Um, so firstly, just to answer that question. Yeah. So when you arrive, say, in Nepal at the hotel, um, you do actually get an Evertrek duffel bag, which is yours. So you can use that for the trip and then you can actually take that back. So some people only arrive with their suitcase or with a backpack, um, which you can leave at the hotel in a, a secure storage room, leave a clean pair of clothes in there because you're going to get dirty and dusty when you're out on the trek. Yeah. But when you come back there and you've got all these nice new clothes when you're going out for some food or a beer. Yeah. Um, so especially, I know you mentioned there that you travel light. So yeah, um, uh, for the trip that is, for the trek. So with um, the weight allowance if you like i say allowance that the it's, it's mainly the airlines that place this but we don't want to go too big for our porters we usually say keep it to about 15 kgs with the duffel bag and your day pack as well um so don't stack it full of water wait until you arrive in lukla that is um but yeah if you can get it under 15 kgs that's what yeah. you want to kind of aim for um yeah so good questions there awesome. uh, maybe has asked what yeah. animals and insects can we expect on Kilimanjaro? Um, yeah, what's that? Uh, well, it depends on where you are. So you've got about five yeah. climate zones on Kilimanjaro. The most sort of diverse wildlife you'll see is in the first sort of two to three days, particularly the first two and the last day, where you're in the jungle. 
So you'll see uh, monkeys, blue monkeys, I think they're called, blue monkeys. Um, yeah, I know. Yeah, anyway, they'll be above you in the trees, peeing on you <laughs> with us. <laughs> you know, and um, yeah, and you'll see like, and then higher up then, so mainly it's the monkeys that attract all the attention in the, in the jungles and stuff like that. Then as you go higher up, you're going to see, uh, we saw lots of these like ravens, didn't we, Andrew? Ravens or crows, these big yeah, black yeah, birds. Yeah, I, I think I saw like an eagle or something like that. Not 100% sure on that. Might have been hallucinating from altitude, but I'm pretty sure I saw an eagle. Definitely sounded like David Attenborough now, mate. You, um, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Insect wise, you're definitely going to get some mosquitoes um, on Kilimanjaro. It was actually a bit of a learning curve for me because I didn't expect to see any because of the altitude. But they do survive fairly high up on the hill, so make sure you're keeping your malaria pills uh, up for the entire duration of the trip, uh, yeah. even when you're at extreme altitude. But yeah, so like um, above them, when you get high on Kili, you don't really see much. More interesting than I suppose the animals, once you well, when there aren't any, is those trees. And do you remember the name of them? Those weird trees that like they grow near water and they grow like a very long, thin trunk. Yeah, this is where we. This is where we need. Uh, Elaine, because <laughs> yeah, she was, uh, she was our, our group botanist. I know Brooke's on here. So, um, Brooke, um, if you want to sort of be uh, deputized very quickly, uh, do you remember the name of those, or can you Google them and find out? But again, this is this is part of, it, isn't it? When you when you kind of go there, and it's part about exploring and seeing these things. Um, there's not too many wild animals up there because of where you are, but there are some. Um, you know, but that's one of the things that when you go there, and you can. Oh, here we go. Jura this is where Jerome is a mine of knowledge when it comes to Killy, because I know he he documented it um, when he was there, and he's got a couple of names there: the African hooded raven and the colobus monkey. There we go. Colobus monkey. Okay, Jerome, so you know the tree. This is the next challenge now. Yeah, Jerome, do you know the tree? That's the animals. Is yeah, everyone knows the animals, Jerome? Do you know the tree? Um, what was I going to say? <laughs> uh, so yeah, Karen Badet. Applause for getting the name right. Uh, <laughs> Uh, and the twentieth sign now. You should have got it right there. Yeah. So and uh, Karen doesn't think she gets to keep the uh, the bag, the duffel bag. Oh really? Yeah. Yeah. Should Karen, yeah. Or should we keep it? <laughs> of course, she gets to keep it. Yeah. And, and Jerome's asked as well. What do we get them before we arrive? So we actually get them made locally um, in Nepal. Um, so I know we're working on getting the um, Tanzanian ones made as well. But currently in Nepal, the way we've done it the last few years is that you get it when you arrive um <clears throat> just because we we kind of get it sourced locally um you know there's there's a place we saw hooked up there really good and it's just it kind of it's worked really well the way we've done it i know it's like can i have it now to <clears throat> excuse me to pack before i go out there but again you um uh you've got to look at the i'm trying trying to think where i was coming from now but when it, when it's made locally Especially when you um, when you get to bring it back, it's just a lot easier in Nepal, um, from what we found anyway. But yeah, Jerome, so you'll have one there waiting for you, mate, when you arrive. Nice. Um, right, yeah, we're going on the uh, aid priest has asked. Um, let's have a little look. There were many other trips. So he's doing Kili in Feb next year, uh, all fingers crossed, and then Everest Base Camp, Kokio Lakes in April twenty two. Um, yeah, he got good questions actually. There are many other trips that interest me. I was thinking one a year is optimal. Do people do more than one? And if so, what would be your recommendation? Wow. Yeah, there's um so it depends on what your time is and, and how much you know annual leave if you're if you've got spare time. I mean, you can do as many as you want to do. Um, you know, with regards to, to how many trips you do a year. I mean, I think most people do one a year. Um, with us, especially as we started, because we met our, our sort of big Mac, if you like, was 
um, Everest Base Camp. And now we've started to do some new trips. Um, a lot of people have been doing those with us. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I mean, if you wanted to squeeze in too, there's, yeah, no worries. You can you can do that as well. Dave, yeah. how many trips would you like to do in a year? Say that again? How many trips would you like to do in oh, a year? Oh, how many would I like to do in a year? Well, 12, I think. <laughs> 12, yeah, because I think one a month is fine considering each trip is about three weeks. So I got a week off before I start my next one. Um, so yeah, that that'd be that'd be an amazing life. Why is 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 that an option? Am might be incentive? <laughs> I'm thinking, how many would Dave do? Yeah, I'd, I'd be out there my whole time. I mean, yeah, I, I know you would. Honestly, like I think doing these trips and stuff like that, you know, yeah. you know, they changed my life. I'm the I'm the the most ever at peace. You know, when people say you need to practice mindfulness and all of that sort of stuff, going yeah. to the mountains and doing a trip is like manner for the soul man it's just like every day is just pure mindfulness you're just living in the moment enjoying yourself and you've yeah. only got one goal that's wake up in the morning and walk from a to b it's, it's amazing it is isn't it no it's, it's, it's something it certainly changed my life when i when i first went to everest and uh obviously this is what followed yeah, but yeah so. there's a lot of it's very underrated doing some going walking it's especially now with with all the challenges that everyone's been facing um worldwide um with covid it's it's good just to get out and do some walking and clear your mind and enjoy the challenge as well there's something about taking on challenges and um someone i mean it's that question isn't it why do we do it um and it depends on on you it depends some people do it for charity some I people know why. prove themselves what's that i know why go on because it's there <laughs> i was waiting for that i was waiting for that i, I, I was waiting for someone else to comment with that <laughs> Um, uh, well, Philip Pomeroy has also asked as well, yeah. what's the situation with COVID uh, and Peru for 2021? Yeah. And also, what's our views on camps stroke hut slippers? First of all, Peru, yeah. So South America, like the rest of the world, has been hit pretty bad with COVID. Um, but we're anticipating that April 2021 is going to be all toasty. So we're going to go over there. We're going to do some trips and it's going to be awesome. Um, like always, you know, we're going to be in constant communication with everybody as soon as yeah. we know something, you know something. Um, but more importantly, camp slippers. Um, yeah, bring a pair. Why not? It depends. Like I, I tend to just have like a pair of trainers, and that's what I'll have. Uh, but a lot, of, oh, and flip flops. So I'll use trainers and flip flops and stuff like that. But yeah, a lot of people, if you like to stay warm, you can buy those little like down slippers and stuff. I think um, North Face yeah. do them as well. Um, so yeah, you can put them on and. Yeah, stay warm in the uh, in the TAs. It's probably mostly used at Gorek Shep when it's like yeah. really cold and stuff like that. It's, well, it is, it is, yeah, it's very cold. There. I mean, it can be. It depends on what time of year you go in. But um, Gorek Shep has that place that everyone says, oh, it was cold at Gorek Shep. Everyone says it. Yeah. No one's ever left Gorek Shep and thought, man, that was boiling. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, I'm just going through here. Um, Jennifer Kay. Uh, has asked about um interested to know your thoughts on breathing techniques and any benefit of those did you see david blaine ascension um okay yeah so when it comes to when you're walking around altitude yeah there's certain things that you could that, that are out there personally i've i've kind of come across the very first time i went to everest base camp because i i suffer with um asthma i have done all my life so i kind of live with it um and one thing i i kind of do it's almost like you're, you're forcing air into your lungs it's very similar to the way that um, there's a guy called Wim Hof which does um, I mean I I didn't know this at the time because I was just doing it naturally 
but since then i've come across this guy and he's amazing um done a lot of research about him and uh, there's an app you can download called vim hoff um he's basically a guy that controls his um uh, basically his heart rate through meditation um and also as well cold water therapy and breathing techniques and one of the ones he does is like you breathe you, you, you breathe all the way in almost to like you can't do any more and then you you kind of breathe again so you're trying to expand your lungs as much as you can it's a really good way of doing it but one what i what i try to do is almost when you're hiking at altitude now is when you breathe in and you almost like force it in and it really gets that oxygen because i can't breathe through my nose so i have to do all of it through my mouth i breathe it in as far as i can go and almost not quite hyperventilating but it's like you're charging your body full of oxygen yeah and it, it really helped me um and almost dave i remember the, the time that we went together and you heard me doing these breathing exercises and you were like is he all right yeah <laughs> and then when i got to the top of the steps and i, but I talked normally because yeah, i didn't get I think, out of breath it was weird at that time i think you were behind me and all i could do was like <sighs> <laughs> <laughs> i was like uh, God, I don't want to look back because I know I'm going to have to carry him. And then I look back, <laughs> you know what he was talking about. Yeah, another one that I um, that I I read about, and I it is strange because I realized I do this naturally anyway. So yeah. maybe this is the Dave method, but I think it's got a name and it's been a <laughs> Dave. But um, is you breathe in as deep as you can, and then you force it out very quickly. Yeah. And I tend to do it at the end of a climb anyway. So when I'm at the top, I'll be like, <sighs> and you're going to like rush it out. And apparently that type of breathing sort of is is good for like trying to acclimatize and to deal with altitude i honestly don't know if it works it just tends to feel good because it's like i think it's more you're just taking a deep breath full expansion of the lungs and then get it out and then you just kind of like reset um oh nawang namaste nawang how are you yeah, doing is nawang on here yeah nawang's on awesome. here yeah excellent climber really really good climber and guide one of our best yeah one of our best isn't it yeah <laughs> i can see people talking about aconcagua already yeah Ooh. Oh yeah, I see that. Yeah, I wonder if Nawang has done Akagua. I know he's done Lenin Peak. Um, yeah, he has actually, isn't he? Because yeah. he's done a lot of uh, peaks outside of Nepal. Nawang, have you done Aconcagua in South America? Um, I see if he's on here. I know we're a little bit, um, uh, a little bit delayed. It's quite funny because people are commenting on stuff we talked about two minutes ago, and I know oh, that. Have we got a delay? Have we? It might, it might be a little bit of a delay. Um, but yeah, what whilst we're on this subject, because we're talking about breathing, I think Leah. Um, Leah Volp, who who is from uh, Australia, um, is the breather at altitude like asthma at all? Lots of yawning and needing to breathe faster and deeper. Yeah, so I wouldn't say it's it's kind of like asthma because sometimes asthma can feel it like restricts your, it almost feel like someone's standing on your chest, and it doesn't really feel like that because you breathe the same. So like Dave, I know you're not asthmatic, and when you breathe, there's no difference to when you're altitude to when you're at sea level in terms of the way you breathe it's just that you need to breathe more often you just get out of breath a lot sooner than you normally would so you know back in the uk imagine if you're like lying on the ground and you have to get up unzip a tent and walk outside you're not going to be out of breath when you do that at altitude so if (laughs) you you will be out of breath and when you get out the tent and stand up you might have to like catch your breath a little bit so it's kind of like that but if we were sat all down around a table playing cards and chatting at 5,000 meters, you would be able to do that. You know, you wouldn't necessarily, you know, at rest and just breathe normally. It doesn't feel any different. What's different is that with each breath, there are less, there's less oxygen within the breath, yeah. you know, so you're, and then your body. So naturally exactly. getting less into itself. So 
it's yeah it, the breathing is the same you're just getting less of what you need it's really strange it, uh, i mean it affects a lot of people differently as well but yeah. from a non-asthmatics perspective i don't think i notice any real difference at all i just get out of breath a lot sooner than i normally would and it yeah. can potentially take a little bit longer to catch your breath once you like try to yeah, and, and Leah mentioned like yawning and almost like, you know, because you're trying to get more oxygen in. It does happen. I, I, I remember a couple of times, yeah, about 5,000 metres and you do find yourself yawning because it might be because you're tired, <laughs> but yeah. probably is because you are, um, you know, your body's thinking I need some more oxygen. So you, there's lots of ways that your body tries to do that. Uh, obviously, you're breathing more or you're yawning. Um, yeah, it doesn't. I, I wouldn't be worried about that at all. It's just your body's natural reaction to dealing with the altitude. Yeah. Um, you know, I wouldn't see it as like a warning sign as such. But yeah, really good question. I, I love these things about that kind of stuff because for me, it was for years, it actually put me off wanting to do the Himalayas, um, you know, going back like 10, 15 years ago because I didn't think I could do it because of my asthma. And it wasn't until I actually just done it and just booked a flight and went out there and did it that I was like, okay asthma it, it doesn't it doesn't harm it doesn't stop you from doing that at all yeah and I, um uh, james made a good point there you can do it um you know you can do it if you can and if you if, if you want to and if you're determined um you can really get past a lot of those barriers that sometimes hold people back well what's that saying and whether you believe you can or you can't you're probably right you're probably right yeah exactly yeah. And I know, I think they were um, referring to Aconcagua and stuff like that. So, um, yeah. yeah, I mean, it's a huge, massive undertaking. It is. You know, I think, you know, it's seven, nearly 7,000 metres, highest mountain outside the Himalaya. So, you know, it, it, it's serious. Um, and, but I think it is it is very doable because it's not a technical mountain. So it's about adjusting. And I think, yeah, having that um, mental side of things is a huge part to how well you adjust to these things. Because I remember my first ever trip to EBC, um, I, just, I actually was taking an anti-inflammatory medication for my knee called uh, naproxen. Um, is that they, it was dodgy. Yeah, well, it made, they, naproxen's really, really strong. But what I didn't realize was that I was taking them almost like ibuprofen, and you're not supposed oh, wow. to do that. Um, so what I did was I took <laughs> one in the morning, one in the afternoon, and then like one in the evening. And I'd done that for about two or three days. And I started noticing like a tingling in my lips and my yeah. ears and my fingers. And then it got really bad. It was almost all over my body. And I remember talking to my guide thinking like, oh, but I've had these pills before, so it can't be that. It must be the altitude. And you start to almost get a little bit of a panic. And it wasn't. It was the pills. I took too many um, and started to feel a bit unwell. So I haven't taken one since. But my guide made a really good point there, which was when people are at altitude, they monitor their bodies like it's a Formula One car, <laughs> you know, and you need to but but it's not like that it's almost like an old reliable car that maybe a noise appears that you haven't heard before maybe something starts rattling that it wasn't rattling before but it's all normal because your body's never been to altitude before yeah your you body's know, so, it out exactly so you're going to experience a lot of bodily changes and things are going to be different and feel different but ultimately if your mind is right and your mindset's in a good place you'll be able to handle all of that you know yeah i i just saw Ramona. Ramona, great to see you on. I love that. I did EBC with a heart problem, exercise-induced asthma, recovering addict and PTSD, being a crazy Irish lassie. If I can do it, anyone can. I love that. Great stuff. Great stuff, Ramona. <laughs> She's very inspirational, massively inspirational. Yeah, I um, Yeah, loads of questions. I think we're going to fire through them because there's still um, still a while to go. I can't believe we've been going for 45 minutes already. Um, one from Karen, Karen Barnett again. Can you put much weight through the poles for bad knees? Um, yeah, you... That they do help a lot. One thing I've noticed 
doing, I use them, say if I'm going out for three, four hours, or even if you're going out for 10, using them the whole way, um, my knees don't hurt. Whereas if I didn't, then they, they probably would. And I know um, a good friend of mine now, Doug, and he's actually been on two trips with us to Everest Base Camp. And uh, he's done Killy with us back in February. And we've done a lot of hikes up in Scotland. Um, he's done the Glencoe Challenge. We did the Glen Shield Ridge, which was Seven Monroes, which was awesome. Highly recommend it. Uh, if any of you fancy doing a, a long, long ass day. Um, but anyway. I heard it was a bit longer at the end, Dan. What's that? I heard it was a bit longer towards the end. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, it took us, was it? It took us like eight hours or nine hours. Yeah, but I think. Four hours I remember, right, I remember hearing one member of the group spotted a path and then another member of the group spotted <laughs> a really rocky valley and you all went down the valley. Was that an Andy shortcut? It was an Andy shortcut, yeah. I do like yeah. my least um, challenging uh, shortcuts, which aren't yeah. great for the knees, I just have to say. And yeah. uh, <laughs> Doug, um, Doug struggled with his knees. But the point is, he um, he's used poles and he's noticed a difference and it did make a difference on his knee. Um, you know, and putting that weight through the paws rather than his knee meant that, yeah, one, he's going to be able to walk longer, <laughs> but, you know, his knees are going to last longer into his life. Um, and also as well, you know, he, he doesn't, he can, he can put the strain on the poles instead of his knee. So, yeah, um, fully behind the, um, the poles yeah, there. Yeah. I know uh, Calvin yeah. Vernon. Welcome, Calvin. I think, have you been on before? Don't recognize your name. Sorry if you have been. Calvin, <laughs> <laughs> how, uh, how regular were the water refill stops on EBC? So basically, you can have water whenever you need it. Um, generally, we well, we always recommend, in fact, we strongly recommend you have a water bladder, at least two liters um, uh, in your rucksack. So two liters of water should normally be enough to get you most of the way there. Um, but you will always have a lunch stop in the middle of the day as well. And there's always a good opportunity to fill up as well. Um, so, yeah, whenever you want water, you can have it. There's no problem at all. Um, yeah. Dave, uh, when am I on parole? Never be in parole, mate. Never be in parole. I'm a lifer. <laughs> <laughs> this local lockdown, um, especially because our office is in Kefili. It's uh, always a bit of a challenge. I, I managed to get here, but Dave, I know you You like the old Newport, don't you? Um, well, it's, 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 not a matter, it's not a matter of liking, mate. Like I said, you know, I'm a, I'm a lifer at HMP Everton. <laughs> <laughs> but um, no, yeah, you know. Jerome's asked a good question. Do an EBC in October 21. Will growing a beard help? Well, it certainly won't hinder you. Um, no, and no. you just look cool as well, Jerome. So yeah, go for it. Yeah, to be honest, I'm I'm quite surprised you don't already have a beard, Jerome. I mean, <laughs> like I'm I'm actually getting a bit hungry now, and I'm gonna have a root around in a minute and find something. But um, everyone loves um, a, a frosted mustache picture on top of a summit yeah. or something like that. So yeah, yeah, a, a beard will help. Yeah, definitely. Um, okay, so uh, Matt Wood again. Uh, Christmas coming. Wow, can't believe it. it is. We're almost into October, aren't we? It's wow. year, man. Um, Crocs or Rab slippers for those chilly nights and foot relief. Um, Dave, I know you take similar to Crocs. Yeah, I take, uh, well, I don't know if I want to go full Croc yet. Um, but no, I just take some Adidas sliders. Um, yeah. So the, uh, yeah, just like I bought them from like um, Sports Direct or something like Adidas sliders that you can just like slide your feet into. The reason yeah. why I prefer those over, well, strictly flip-flops is because when you wake up in the night, most times at EBC, if it's cold, you'll be sleeping with your socks on as well. So you can just slip them in and go for a walk. That's all I ever use. Um, I don't really get that cold in terms of like cold feet, cold hands. I run quite hot, generally speaking. So I'm more likely to like, you know, take my socks off than put like insulated slippers on. Yeah. Um, so yeah, whether or not you want, it depends on sort of how warm you like to be. 
Um, personally, I think, you know, pair of hiking boots, pair of trainers and some, you know, flip-flops or sliders is, is, all, is all you need. But I know a lot of people bring their insulated ones and they absolutely love them. So, yeah. yeah they do, love uh, they? What I would recommend is wait for winter, go out on a cold night, camp and see which ones you want to bring with you. And that will give you a good idea. Yeah, nice. Um, Julie Dallow has asked, uh, Killy or EBC is the warmest trip overall? Um, what time of year? So you feel the cold terribly. So yeah, all, all the trips we do, because they're at high altitude, um, inherently it's it's colder. Um, warmest trip, I'd probably say, is Machu Picchu, because you are at low altitude. You're not far from the Amazon. Um, you know, the Peruvian, Peruvian Andes can be cold, but um you know it also can be quite warm you know talking 25 30 degrees but with tanzania it's very warm um once you get above i'd say three and a half thousand meters then it becomes colder yeah um in nepal i don't think i mean during the day um even during winter in nepal it can be warm uh, because you're know, a high altitude uh, the uv rays you know the more penetrating so you'll you'll burn easier you'll feel warmer um, especially in the sun as soon as the uh, you know the as soon as nighttime comes anywhere you'll be cold um but dave if you were going to pick one trip that if you didn't like the cold and it's a high altitude where would you go bahamas <laughs> um, it's got to be high, <laughs> be high altitude. hawaii <laughs> no um yeah i think one of our trips to be honest i'd probably if i wanted to go to real high altitude like I said, Andy made a good point about uh, Machu Picchu, you know. So uh, although you do go to high altitude, it's not like extreme high altitude. But if you wanted to like bag, a, I'd maybe suggest Kili because you're going to get the best of both. Now, <laughs> the summit, right, there's no way around it. It's I could say. But down in Moshi, it was like 38 degrees, <laughs> you know. So yeah, when yeah. you are cold, you know that when you get down, you're going to be in like boiling hot water with a pool and stuff like that. Yeah. There is a pool in the hotel. So it's entirely up to you. But I think, yeah, Machu Picchu, um, if you want like a more stable sort of every day is more or less the same kind of temperature, except in the nights when it'll drop. Um, Killy, if you want like really hot weather and then really, really cold weather, followed by really, really hot. Um, yeah. I tell you what, though, I just spotted something really interesting, okay. which I think I think we can run with here. So um, where is it here? Who are, Matthew Woods, stocking ideas trekking stocking fillers is a brilliant idea that's like yeah uh, you, you, we should do one on that but no i've, I've just coming up with a because i just read that and i was thinking head torch yeah head torch. Uh, i think nail clippers so i always have nail clippers on my keys so this here see the toronox and then it kind of like okay pops open nail clippers okay, yeah. helps you stay clean and healthy and also gets rid of like little annoying bits of thread on your clothes and stuff like that yeah um battery packs is another one squeezing the stocking oh yeah yeah like power bank anchor power banks yeah yeah uh i was gonna say crampons but they might put a hole in it <laughs> um well it's actually it's, it's funny you say crampons because yeah there's lots of stocking ideas but i think um diane asked a really good question sorry we're taking so long to answer it diane you mentioned um, how do we find out if our boots are crampon compatible? Um, because I know you're doing tube car, you're thinking, obviously, if I got the right boots, especially because I know you've got your vegan Gore-Tex boots. Um, and the Merrells are your most comfortable, will they work? So yeah, each boot, um, there's kind of a grade. So you've got when it comes to boot, they grade them B1 to B3. Same with crampons, they have C1 to C3. When you buy them, 
um, basically they'll they'll show you that they are C1 compatible, which means that's the most flexible crampon that you can attach to it. If that's the base, so they'll go all the way up to to C3, which is like really hard climbing Everest crampon, you know, rigid. Um, so yeah, if you're looking uh, for any boots, just make sure that they are C1 compatible. Um, Dave, is that right? Is there any other little little? Yeah, bits? so I think um, yeah, B1, B2, generally speaking. So C1 yeah. a bit like if if you want a visual, what the the crampon you're looking for looks like. It has like the the you know like a toe cage you get on a pair of like pedals for a bicycle. Yeah, it's got one of them at the front and one of them at the back, so it doesn't actually clip <laughs> onto your boot. It just kind of wraps around it and then you tie them. They're the generic ones that will fit most boots. Um, and then you've got like C2, which will have a welt at the back of the boot. Yeah, um, and it'll clamp on at the back and have like a toe cage at the front. Um, so yeah, if you put on like generic crampon in Google um um or non-automatic crampon sometimes they're called automatic yeah that'll that's what you're looking for but yeah it gets quite complicated with boots doesn't it like b1 b2 b3 and then there are ungraded boots like a lot of hiking boots don't have a b you know they just no, have they like a, there are some hiking boots that you can get away with it if they're quite rigid um yeah. they, they they won't be advertised as a crampon compatible but they they will, will work like the trobats um, in there you've got the yeah, that's it. Yeah, well, they then they actually are B one, so oh, they are actually advertised as crampon compatible. But you've got some boots that um, there aren't. I'd say if you're going to get you know boots from a store, um, ask in store as well. That you know these guys are the are the, the the equipment experts. Um, you know for specific boots. So yeah, just just double check with them. Um, you know, make sure it's got the the lip on the front or the back as well. Um, you know, so you can. Um, you know, double check that. So, yeah, with, with um, crampons, I'm not sure if you asked it yet, but you can um, get them locally um, in in Morocco as well. So, um, if you if you don't want to buy your own because you're only going to, to Tubcarla once, um, oh, here we go. <laughs> uh, Diane's asked, do we need them or not? Um, yeah, you can just use them locally. It's not a problem, Diane. We can we can organise that. Yeah, but um, who asked them for Killy? So, Kathy Baker um do you need crampons for killy no um it's fine just hiking boots um you know a good pair of hiking boots is all you need it is glaciated at the top but there's like a well well trodden sort of way to get through you don't have to climb or anything like that so no um just hiking boots for killy is all you need yeah um and also as well marie pritchard has asked about uh, are we putting on any more training weekends or any more dates uh there's three weekends on the website just wondered if there'd be any more yes we um so over the last sort four or five days we've actually been putting some other trips on there as well because we realized that um we did a little bit of a um a sort of poll really in in the evertrackers group uh, on facebook and some people mentioned about winter skills as well as doing some adventures as well sort of scotland and also north wales so we've actually got some trips um planned uh, going into next year uh, really excited about those um you know some mountaineering trips in uh, in scotland and also winter skills navigation uh, things like that in North Wales as well with our good friends at Aim Higher. So although we won't be running the trips, um, you know, they're fully Evertrackified, if you like. Um, you know, it won't be so, so much about the altitude, but it will be about learning new skills that you can use in the mountains that will help you anywhere. Um, yeah, so they're great uh, weekends. If, re you know, regarding like myself, Dave, and the Evertrack team, we've got three dates, I think, the ones you're referring to for next year, but we do always open up more going into um, sort of the summertime. 
next year, especially because of the, um, you know, we, we had to cancel a couple this year. We were like, oh, you know, yeah. so frustrated because we love these weekends. We love meeting you guys and, and, and hanging out and, and doing some awesome trekking. Um, you know, we're like you. We, we love getting out um, and, and, and enjoying and socializing. Uh, you know, keeping hydrated and, and seeing some of the amazing sights in the world. So, yeah, um, we can't wait to run these. Uh, we've put three up already. Um, we're likely getting the um, um, a few more dates on there really soon. With regards to the training weekends on the website, if you do go to um, if you go to the destinations page, and then just select um, with regards to um, the altitude, it'll have basically what altitude it is. If you just put zero to a thousand meters. Um, I think that's the the feature. It'll bring up the training weekends, and you're going to have a little look. And those are the winter skills ones as as well. Uh, we're thinking about creating a kind of separate area for these, rather than just being mixed with all the other trips. But at the moment, you yeah. can you can view them on the website if you go to the destinations page, uh, which is Evertrek forward slash destinations, and then you can um, have a look at all the the training weekends we do. Okay. Nice. Any more questions, Dave? I know we we've had loads today. It's been awesome. Yeah, I'm not sure if I have missed any. I know uh, uh, Karen Badet has asked, do you need them for EBC then? Assuming you mean crampons, not for the classic EBC route. There's a possibility yeah. if you're on Gokyo or the um, uh, three passes that you will need them. Only yeah. because over the high passes, they can be, you know, if there's bad weather, you know, you might need them. Um, but if so, they'll be provided. And quite often, they're the sort of um, universal ones that fit to a hiking boot and your guide will have them. Um, so, yeah. Uh, Basically, the only trip where I think you're 100% guaranteed to need like a proper crampon is like Aconcagua at the moment. So like um, Aconcagua will be that type of trip where you have to get the proper crampons and stuff like that, but uh, not EBC. Um, yeah. Um, one question actually I think we did miss was Karen. I think Karen Barnett, she asked about um, how many days either side of the trip do we need to book flights for safe margin? Um, Karen, I presume, I'm trying to remember if you're going to Nepal. Is it Nepal, Dave, Karen's going? Yes. Um, not not anywhere else? Yeah, we, we do always, I mean, you don't have to because we we, we have, the trips rarely, rarely get delayed. Um, you know, nine times out of ten, it's all fine. But, yeah, some people do like to add on a day or two at the end just because they can hang around Kathmandu or maybe they want to just chill out for a couple of days before they go back home. Yeah. Um, and then that does fit nicely that if it does get delayed, you've got a couple of buffer days. Um, you know, so that is what some, you know, what most people do, to be honest. We we have toyed with increasing the itinerary a little bit just to accommodate. But um, as you can imagine, lots of people have booked on these trips already. And because we, we do groups, a little bit difficult to do that. Yeah. But yeah, if you wanted to book, um, you know, a couple of days yourself, just let us know. And yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, obviously before you arrive and then we'll look after the um we'll organize the hotels um as long as we because we when you upload your flight details in the members area we can access that data so we know then how many days that you're going to be afterwards and we can um, reserve the hotel for you yeah exactly and you know you can go down to chitwan or do something like that when you're out there if you've got an extra few days there's loads to do or hang around Kathmandu and just go back to the places under your own steam yeah. you know it's, it's really nice to do i think if you just have an extra day but yeah like andy said it's not a requirement you know the itinerary is built so you can go there and not have to think about that but um i always have an extra day yeah, yeah. <laughs> exactly yeah you can relax you get a massage uh, go, exactly, go to the yeah. it's always good um but yeah right guys um, yeah it's been an awesome um it's been an awesome live we've had heaps of questions so thanks for everyone joining us um obviously we're back next week 
with another one. Um, but yeah, other than that, Dave, yeah, it's been been awesome. I um, yeah. you en- you enjoying your time there. Um, any day release soon, Dave? Or? Uh, well, hopefully, yeah. But I mean, um, I want to be back in the office. <laughs> so I can go down and order my food and not have to make it myself. I'm pretty lazy. But um, yeah, other than that, next week, I guess. Nice. Same Yeti time, same Yeti channel, I'm assuming. Yeah, exactly. And that'll be great. Um, I think one, over the next couple of weeks as well, there's something that we're, we're going to be doing, which I'll just give you a little sneak, is that we, um, we've we come up with a really good fee, who's our, our new uh, Bimlin Yeti. She's, well, I should say new. She's been here about six weeks already. Um, but she's doing some stuff regarding our charity work. So um, we're going to bring Fee on to one of these um, lives as well. And she's going to talk about, um, you know, how to support charities, how to fundraise, all that good stuff. Um, and also how you can do it with um, uh, with us as well, because we've got some um, some plans, some exciting new stuff coming up um, with helping our staff, uh, because we realize it's quite challenging at the moment. And also supporting um, some cl- uh, uh, cause that's quite close to home um uh, to our causes and things we like as well so i won't spoil the what what that is but we'll, we'll certainly be talking about that in the next couple of weeks excellent awesome yep that's all the best keith i've just spotted your question about nepal drop me an email info at evertrek.co.uk the rest all the best guys yeah great stuff all the best see you soon bye bye Awesome. So I hope you enjoyed the uh, another episode of the Mountain Malarkey podcast. Um, yeah, that was something a little bit different, wasn't it, from the Tuesday tune-in, but I hope yeah. you enjoyed it. I must say, you were brilliant on that episode, Ant. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, mate. Thanks. Now, if, uh, if you've enjoyed it, don't forget to leave us a review and subscribe to the podcast. Um, you know, all these uh, podcasts we put together, the episodes, try to reach as many people as possible. And if it's helped you, leave us a lovely review. Um, and yeah, we'll see you again next week. Yeah, all the best, guys. Bye.